Welcome to Managing Marketing and today I'm here at the Mamma Mia Women's Network and with Kylie Rogers, Managing Director, and Lauren Joyce, who's Head of Broad, which is the strategic consultancy here at Mamma Mia. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Darren. Or in actual fact, I should be saying thank you for having me because (laughs) uh, coming here to Mamma Mia is uh, as soon as the lift doors open and I saw all of the pictures on the wall and all of the people and just the energy, uh, I could tell that this was a very different place to work. Uh, Look, I appreciate you saying that. Um, Sometimes in the furor of your your working week, you forget the energy that really does exist in this place. It's very progressive. Um, It's almost tangible. And when clients do walk no, in... No, it is... Tan- I mean, it's palpable. <laughs> it is, it's it's palpable. That when the doors opened, I think that's why I walked in a bit confused because <laughs> it was like being hit with this energy. Yeah. Not noise. You know, it's interesting because there are workplaces where there's people screaming, and but it was just this energy that is happening here. That were, yeah, it was very exciting. Of 85 women... Yes. Who have lots of ideas and who want to execute those ideas. And we have our famous women on the walls that inspire us every day. Well, and are executing. I mean, you guys produce a huge amount of content, don't Mm -hmm. you? Thank you. We average around 45 articles a day. Yeah. Give or take the news cycle. Yeah. Around six to ten videos a day. And now 18 podcasts a week. And, of course, you're standing in our pretty remarkable podcast studio. We have one in Sydney, one in Melbourne, and one in our New York office. Amazing. Yeah, just the, and the infrastructure as well to support this. I mean, in a way, you've reinvented the, um, the, the news platform, but you've also done it in a way that you've embraced technology as well, haven't you? Yeah, thanks. And I, I guess why we've done that is we've focused on trying to understand Australian women, trying to understand what they want from media today mm-hmm. and try and anticipate her needs and deliver her what she wants. And we'll probably get to it throughout our podcast, but our women are telling us that they want media on her terms. Mm. They want personalised media. They're very busy. They want media on the run. Therefore, we have worked hard at, at delivering that for her. And case in point, our 18 podcasts, they are being downloaded in droves. We have celebrated our 20 millionth download. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's it's quite extraordinary. Mm. Um, it's a really exciting times. But it's interesting, isn't it, Lauren, how you, know, you look at Mad Men, which was a very popular program a few years ago, when women in that show were the secretaries, yeah. right? This is very much 21st century. You know, this, this existence of the Mamma Mia Women's Network is evidence of the fact that women are now front and centre in the workforce, in day-to-day life, and especially, and what, you know, be great to chat about, mm. is in commerce. I mean, yeah. women are really driving the commercial um, realities, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. I mean, we do a survey each year of our readers. And um, last year, at the end of last year when we did the survey, they told us that they were feeling really powerful, that they felt like they had, you know, a figurehead in Hillary Clinton and that they were following, um, you know, that 
kind of trend around female empowerment. And I guess over the last few years, we've seen brands get on board with that as well because they've recognised particularly the purchasing power that women now hold. So women are accountable for, they control 50% of male spending and they are accountable for 85% of purchase decisions on average. So, you know, it varies. And 100% of their own spending. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my mother used to say to my father, what's yours is mine and what's mine's me own. And I used to think that that was the beautiful, uh, you know, she would make, uh, he'd make all the big decisions like, you know, how the family felt about politics and uh, yep. and the environment and things like that. And she'd just make all the small decisions like what we ate, where we'd go for holidays, what car she liked, you know, all of those small, small <laughs> things that, you know, don't really matter as far as he was concerned. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I mean, it, yeah, the inordinate influence that they hold is is amazing. And, and that has been known for a long time, but I think that brands in the last two years or so have become much more aware of that and we've started to see some really lovely examples of how brands are leveraging this theme of female empowerment but I guess we feel that that's just the tip of the iceberg you know it's it's a really um of the now kind of trend that that brands are getting involved in but there's opportunity well beyond that um around kind of unlocking the influence that women have over Various categories. So you say it's of of the now. Yeah. Why is it now? Why it wasn't it 10 years ago or 20 years ago or even 30 years ago? Because, you know, we've had the uh, the sexual revolution of the 60s and women became more empowered as they got more control. The, the workforce, women uh, dominate the workforce yeah. now. I mean, yeah. apart from salary equality, but, you know, yeah. there are more women working than at any time in history. Yeah, I think because biologically they're actually built to operate within the, the, the way that... Um, the economy is built today. So the way that businesses interact with each other. The, the collaboration economy. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And if you look at the inspirational leaders of today, it includes people like Sheryl Sandberg and um, Ariana Huffington, who kind of drive this um, these leadership qualities around fairness and collaboration. And, and, and dare everything. we say Mia Friedman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mia tells or Kylie Rogers. Mia tells very sweet. Thank you. Mia tells a great story. Maybe only four years ago, she was mm. pitching to a client. This was before my day. And the client was a man. Mm. And she said, you know, I've created this digital women's network. And he stopped her and he said, women's network? What do you mean? And she said, well, creating great content by women for women. And he said, that's, that's interesting. It's quite a niche, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and she nearly fell off her chair. Um, <laughs> Fast forward four years and women are driving the economy. You know, I think there's a greater growth um, opportunity than China and India combined. That's right, yeah. So women have found their voice. They're telling us they feel more powerful than ever before. They're breaking down stereotypes. They're saying they're okay without partners. They're saying they're okay without children. They're saying it's okay for them to create their own journey. Mm. And we're standing up for the first time and listening to that. And excitingly, marketers are starting to understand why they need to have a separate comms strategy for women if they want to have a meaningful conversation with her. Mm. So, and this is not just about uh, playing out, 
you know, role models and things. This is not casting certain types of women in commercials and things like that, is it? No. It goes beyond, I mean, really to build engagement goes beyond just, you know, holding a mirror up to people, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, yes, there's a job to be done in terms of the representation of women in the media, mm -hmm. um, diversity in general, I think. But um, this is very much about creating a communication strategy that is going to kind of play on those key elements that will influence her purchase decision making and you know there's there's kind of top line things like we know that positivity trumps negativity so she wants to see things that are positive or framed in a positive way sorry i just picked yeah, positivity rather than negativity yeah, maybe yeah. this is a lesson for up at news corp you know yeah i don't see many newspapers come out with front pages that give me a positive message exactly. yeah it's all true, about yeah. bludges and yeah. it's all about you know yeah. it's yeah. all the bad things and yeah. you know they say the old editorial style and interestingly mainly a male-driven uh, editorial style was bad news yeah. is always good for news. And it's the shock factor that they go for, I think. And it's, you know, women don't necessarily want that framed in a negative way. Mm. Um, I, I think marketers think it's all too hard to have separate strategies to communicate to men versus women. So they think, oh, well, we'll just bundle it together and hope for the best with people 25 to 54. <laughs> but if they leaned on great people like us or others who spend a lot of time and a lot of money surveying and interviewing women. We survey 30,000 Australian women a year. It's our job to anticipate her needs and we can tell marketers what it is that women are doing today and how they can influence them. And if I guess if I can summarise what women are doing today that's different to men, it's she is always on. She has never felt busier. She has never felt more pressured. And I think 71% of our audience say, I simply don't have enough time in my mm. day to get everything done. Yeah. She has her mobile on all day, every day. Um, They're always connected, aren't they? Yeah. Because that's, uh, that's both social and functional in it's a way. It's an extension Ooh, yeah. to her hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they are more likely to give up TV yeah. than they are their mobile phone. It's interesting, you know, um, what you just said then about uh, it's too hard marketing to women. Yes. The default is almost like an androgyny, isn't it? Because Correct. if you just target 18 to 54 or 35 to 59s, uh, what are you actually targeting? Are you saying that men and women are exactly the mm. same and the way that they process communications no. the same and their interests? I mean, if that was really true, um, the world would be a very different Far place. Simpler. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, a different place. I'm not maybe simpler, but certainly not as interesting. No, no, that's, and that's very true too. Um, mm. Women keep telling us they want to have a real relationship with brands. They want to have a two-way conversation with brands. So brands have got to consider how they communicate to them so they can start doing that rather than the old-fashioned, let's just interrupt them for six weeks and have a four-week rest and then interrupt them for another mm. six weeks. Women are saying, no, I, just, I, want, I want to have a, a meaningful relationship and engagement with you. It's in, um, I always like uh, converting things to real life. 
You know, like I say to people when they're pitching for a piece of business, think of it as a first date, you know, the chemistry session, things like that. But imagine if brands were like a relationship, you know, where they're in your face for four weeks and then they disappear for six weeks. I mean, and there are men that do that. Do you know what that does to a woman's brain when she starts seeing a guy and he doesn't talk to her for four weeks? We go crazy. It's all right. I'll call you in six. But I didn't say in six weeks' time. Although the brand would be appreciative of the Facebook stalking, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, you know, we rely on our friends. He said he'd call. Why isn't he called? It's been four weeks. What's going on? So brands can't can't work that way they've got to have it always on conversation with her yeah and that's where people you know brands especially really struggle because it means actually being responsive it means always being in the conversation and being you know willing to engage on that level because for so long you know we go back to the madman era it was all about a power play Mm. you know you could buy media and media would be blasting Mm. out messages that you paid for into the the amorphous audience and the audience either bought or didn't buy but they couldn't say anything about it there was no social media there was no networking there was no uh, uh, blogging or podcasting or any of these things to actually build a response to what was Mm. going on it was control command and control that's right which is very what what sort of behaviour is command and Mail's control? Males very masculine. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it is. Yeah. Command and control, the traditional marketing advertising paradigm, is all about command and, and control. control. And well, now just... that's blown itself out of the water because consumers have a voice. Yeah. Technology has enabled that voice. So we have to change a few things. Mm. We have to change our strategies. Mm. And especially because it's a conversation. That's you right. know, and if it's a, if you're entering into a conversation, right. there's two parts to a conversation. That's right. One is talking, which yeah. everyone jumps to do. Yeah. The other one's listening. Yeah. And yeah. and one of the things that I've noticed is that organisations find it really hard to listen. They're very quick to tell you exactly why you should be you know, choose us or do business with us. And is that because they don't think they have the time to sit back and really try and understand what it is? you want and how you feel about a certain product. They're just rush, rush, rushing and push, push, pushing. I think time is uh, a convenient excuse. I think what it is, is that they certainly don't feel that they have the resources. So the default is, I'm going to go for mass, right? I might listen, I'll do a bit of research and get a particular view, my view of a, my audience, my customers, and then I'm just going to bombard them with spray and pray, uh, spray and pray, because if I had to engage in a hundred thousand, you know, I could hit a hundred thousand people with what my researchers told me what they want to hear. Mm. But if I had to engage in a hundred thousand conversations, too hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's way too hard. Mm. I think there's also a fear of missed opportunity when it comes to marketers. So, you know, they're very reactive because what if we don't react to that and then, you know, it it has a negative impact on our sales today or tomorrow. I think, you know, brands have become um, used to the, the immediacy that digital advertising allows them and want to respond in you know, in an immediate fashion. But then, you know, as a consequence, it means that they're not listening and actually finding what the real opportunity is underneath and then playing that out for the longer term. Yeah, I think they respond, but they respond in a mass. Yeah, that's right. See, I think the biggest mistake, you know, all of these Mark Ritson and everyone going on about digital under-delivering, I think it's because they're bringing a traditional 
media lens, advertising right. paradigm lens yeah. to to digital yeah. and going, wow, it's all about hitting the numbers. Yeah, exactly. You know? And in actual fact, digital is exactly, this is where uh, people are actually, you know, it's called social media. Mm. I don't know if anyone's noticed that. <laughs> social media, this is where they're sharing ideas and, and thoughts. Um, and then someone comes in and just pours a bucket of brand crap on top of it and then goes oh why didn't that work yeah well i mean (laughs) you know when when we think about the way that men and women um interpret marketing differently females actually prefer a more passive mode of communication and a more passive message than the overt kind of sales pitch that you would see and you know spots and dots advertising so yeah Uh, sorry that's (laughs) really that's really interesting because i started off as a well i was in medical research got into copywriting yeah and i was working for a retail agency in Melbourne called Mattingly and um, they used to do the uh, Maya bargain basement you know it was take a look yes, yes. take a look at yes. the Maya bargain basement and it was David Mattingly used to do the voiceover so they he'd stopped doing it because he was the head of the agency but we had a voiceover guy that would mimic his style and it was very much that hard sell mm. and I, I said why can't we use a female voiceover for this and they said oh everyone knows the research says women respond to a man's voice more than they respond to a woman's voice so you saying that there is actual evidence or proof that that's not true yeah our research tells us that well sorry not in terms of the male versus voice versus female voice but in terms of the overt cell versus passive cell so I think, um, you know, our research tells us that they much prefer the passive messaging as opposed to the overt messaging. But the other thing that I would say is that women are, um, you know, there's a time and place for everything. So catalogues are still an effective means of communication for the hard sell. You know, it's product and price, product and price on every single page. And you can sit down, you look at that, it's a contained experience, you know your expectations are managed, you know exactly what you're getting. But then when it comes to consuming content online, you know, she's got a minimal amount of time in her day. And so she's consuming something from a brand, she's going to want to see something that adds value to her life, whether that be useful, informative, funny, you know, entertaining, whatever it may be. And so for a brand to have a very overt sales message as part of that, it kind of is at odds with why she's consuming it okay but men are the same i mean men want to information they want something that's entertaining informative educational uh you know interesting yeah. um how is it different well i think by nature men are much um women are more multi-dimensional in the way they make decisions so they're considering things that are happening three steps ahead whereas men often are looking for the solution right there and then so the rational <laughs> sorry absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean I, I just think about the way i shop and the way my wife shops you know like i'll go in and get exactly what i want and leave yeah. and she so we like the journey yeah. we like to consider how this object will sit in our lives for at least the next 18 months Mm. and before buying it we'll make sure whether the brand's values are aligned with ours Mm. and there are three things that our research suggests men do not consider it's yep that's perfect for me today doesn't matter about brand values doesn't matter about the experience i'll take it today so it's it's immediate yeah for a man it's an immediate uh, functionality that's right quick uh, quick solution and And of course, brand will play a role, you know, in terms of how it's wrapped and does it appeal to me. But 
doesn't well, uh, we're human beings. We've, we've all got egos. Yeah, exactly. We? Yes. <laughs> Men and women. Yeah. yeah. We've all got egos. Yeah. yeah. But does yeah. it solve my needs? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'll buy it. So that, that, that's the main difference then of marketing to women is that you need to consider the, this more multi-dimensional Correct. or, or uh, that's right. God forbid, holistic approach yeah, to that's communication. Right. Yes. Yeah. So how would, how would, for instance, uh, the work that you guys do here at the Mamma Mia uh, Women's Network, ta- uh, take that and, and take that approach compared to say a traditional advertising campaign or approach. Is sure. it that di- significantly different, or is it just more the nuance of the way content's developed? It's the nuance of the way content's developed. It's where we put that content to make sure that it's where she is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Branded content plays a large role. So with content, it allows a brand to be the content and not interrupt it. Mm -hmm. And all of our research tells us that women seek it out because it's entertaining, because it's informative, and it usually adds value. Mm -hmm. So in every scenario, we're looking at how can we allow our brand to be the content and where should we best place that? She wants media on her own terms, so she's looking for SVOD. She's looking for podcasts. Mm. She's looking for mobile and for social. So we will then tailor our solution around those platforms. Because uh, traditionally, yeah, uh, God forbid, I don't know why they called it um, uh, uh, native advertising. Because you're not talking about native advertising. You're actually talking about... I do about, not like the term native no, advertising. I, I, I never have. I'm, well, but where did it come from? Because you know, I get branded content. It's actually content. It was digital that... trying to be fancy. Right. So Graham, what's his name, from the 70s was doing branded content, mm. yes, with live yeah. reads. Well, branded content goes back to um, the Lever. Kennedy yeah, and, 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 and even yeah, Graham Kennedy. But um, beyond that, you know, the Lever soap operas came from exactly. Lever Brothers exactly. doing, you know, content. And Popeye was a, a character that had spinach. Yeah, spinach. Yeah. 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 had a huge cartoons. impact on, I mean, it was a happy coincidence, but had an enormous impact on the American spinach industry. It's something, you know, doubled in sales over a 12-month period when Popeye came out. And I tell you, if I drank that much olive oil, would I be that skinny? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I was really not sure why she was called olive oil, <laughs> but, you know, but anyway. But it worked. Um, <laughs> but no, 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 we... we we, and try not to call it native. I think it was when digital applied the disciplines of yeah. brand content onto their platforms. They wanted to call so they wanted to call it something new. Because I think the term native advertising actually sets up a expectation in a marketer's mind that it's going to be more like advertising than it is going to be about engaging mm, content that's interesting. Mm. Right? Yes. Because the term advertising goes back to command and control. Correct. I get to put the messages I yes. think are important in there. You know, and so native advertising is, I've got this space that looks like editorial, acts like editorial, smells like editorial, except I get to ram the message yeah. I think's important. Yeah. Content is much more about that's right. um, what can I give in this experience and interaction with the person reading it, watching it, listening to it, mm-hmm. that they get value and they walk away feeling you know, rewarded or enriched for participating. And I think with the term native, there's an assumption you are deceiving the consumer. Yeah. yeah. And marketers don't like that. 
and a lot of publishers do that the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, branded content is, is simply branded content yeah, yeah. And, and offers so much value to, to women. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, that plays a big role in our, in our solutions and our strategies. Right. And the other thing I'm interested in, and, and um, just picking up on what you said, was it's about, apart from the content itself, it's about delivering it into channels. Because I... Um, well, I'll ask the question and then I'll share my point of view. So, so do you think of the two, you know, of course, content and channel work together, but do you think one dominates over the other? There's no, there's point, one in that's cre- more there's no point in creating outstanding content if your target consumer doesn't see it. Yeah. There's no point in being in her face if the content's not compelling. I get that. But I actually, ha- I would argue that channel selection is more important than the content itself. I think channel should always come first. And this is the reason why, is that the hardest thing in the world is to work out where, when, and how the consumer is receptive to the content. Yes. Right? So once I've solved that problem, i.e. channel first, then I can customise my content to actually fit the needs of what the consumer is ready. Is. Yeah, because you know, I can have a, I could go out and let's say I create a piece of content like this podcast. Except that I find out, oh my god, they actually like reading. Mm. <laughs> oh, I've got to transcribe it. Is that going to be interesting? Or I no, they actually that. like watching it I on video. Oh, I'll, I'll take the audio from this and put some pictures to it. Yeah. You know, like if we don't understand how anyone. But, you know, from your point of view, women want to consume this content, how it fits into their day-to-day life, you know, how do they maximise the value that they squeeze out of every second, then how are we ever going to be able to deliver the content in the way and and at the time that's that's receptive to That's why I've always said the consumer is the disruptor. Mm. Technology is the enabler. So understand what the consumer is doing today Mm. and in five days' time. Get the technology to be able to deliver to her and your on your way to success. Mm. So yeah, we invest, as we said before, a lot of time and energy to research our women to understand what channel she likes. Podcast is a big play. I think there's a limit to screen time. Mm. Women love content, there's an insatiable appetite for content, but there's a limit to screen time because she's busy. Mm. So she's finding ways to engage with content providers when she's cooking, when she's on transit, Mm. And when she's exercising are the main three areas that we find. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, she can't drive and look at a video. Well, there are a lot of... No, <laughs> well, you no, can, no, except you get hit with, uh, exactly. what is it, four points yeah, and a yeah. couple of hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to be precise. Um, and you can't. So you're absolutely right. I think channel probably trumps content. I mean, I... Yeah, Darren, I mean, I my career has been spent coming up through media agencies. So, you know, I firmly believe in the importance of channel planning. But I think one of the things I've realised over the last few years in working much more closely with creative agencies and in in the space of branded content has been that I think too often agencies layer strategy upon strategy upon strategy. Ideally, whoever is leading the strategy comes up with the insight. This is the insight we're going to leverage. There's a core platform or thought that everybody is working to, and that then influences your channel selection as well as your creative direction. Mm. And I think that's when, when you get that sweet spot, that's when a campaign is really successful. Look, absolutely. Strategy 
you know, a whole strategy is important. Yeah. But then, and the implementation, like planning, yeah. it has to be, from my perspective, it's channel first. And look, the reason it's become such a big issue for me is that I still see people uh, think about campaign development the other way around. Yes. Oh, yeah. here's the idea. Here's the content. Well, here's, here's the TV the, for TV. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the TV. Yeah. 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 But it's about the content. Yeah. yeah. Like even the TV ad is a piece of you know, content. It's advertising yeah. content, yeah. but it's content. Yeah. And then it's like, well, interestingly, do we have the budget that anyone will see it? Yeah. Or are we going to just run this once in regional television at 2 a.m. Mm. to enter a Well, maybe we oh, just no, realise that the audience doesn't watch television anymore. <laughs> so what's the point in creating that 30-second spot? So well, because we can put it on YouTube, but of course oh, they'll yes, all watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Look, um, so do you think that marketers are missing out at the moment? Because I'm not sure that marketers feel that there's a burning platform here. They're just mm. hitting the, the audience... Yeah, you know, in a demographic sense, and leaving out that part of yeah. You know, gender. Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested in the numbers behind it. And one of the things that, you know, when I speak to marketers and you say to them, what is it that keeps you up at night? One of the responses that commonly comes back is, how do I do more with the same or less? So, you know, budgets are declining or there's greater pressure and scrutiny around what they're spending. And I guess, you know, there's been... Uh, you go for a few years optimising and optimising and then you'll get to a point of diminishing returns. I think there's a big opportunity around recalibrating that audience because we know that women hold, make the, I guess, the, the lion's share of the purchase decisions and they hold more influence when it comes to making those purchase decisions. If you actually look at the split of your audience and then look at the weights that they hold in making that decision, mm. you can unlock a... A, a more kind of powerful or potent um, consumer in the woman. So if I, if I give an example, it might be easiest. So if we take the automotive category, for instance, mm -hmm. and we're targeting professionals, um, we know that 37% of professionals are women. Um, but women make 79% of purchase decisions in the automotive category. So when you do the calculations, if you targeted your advertising towards women, despite them accounting for only a third of your audience, you'll get twice as many decision makers. So it makes wow, the female yeah. audience 2.2 times more powerful. So that's how the men. numbers stack up. Mm, I that's mean, right, that, yeah. That, apart from automotive, I'm sure that translates across so category. many categories. Absolutely. So but, it's about wastage. Yeah. But I, I wonder if, is there a fear? Is there a fear that by focusing on women, they're going to alienate men? Because, you know, I see so many um, ads that are flagged mm. in social media because they make men look stupid. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, the only way to empower mm -hmm. a woman is to make the man look stupid. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I'll give a good example. And in example. fact, AANA here put some rules around this, you know, that yeah. they, it, it became so prevalent in the last few years that they started saying, well, we're not going to do that anymore, yeah. are we? Well, look, I mean, this isn't about man bashing. I think earlier on in our discussion, you said, you know, it's much bigger than kind of painting things pink or just putting women in the ads themselves. It's about tailoring the conversation so that it appeals to the most influential audience. So mm. the example would that has really kind of touched me recently has been how Unilever's brands, Lynx and Axe, have re, I guess, repositioned themselves. So they've been famous for using the female as kind of the pin-up girl in their ads for many years. Sexual gratification. Exactly, yep. yeah. Um, Use and our course, product, you'll get laid. That's even right. if you're a geek. Yeah. yeah, and they're trying to appeal Works to... Works as a teenage boy. Exactly, 15-year-old <laughs> boys. <laughs> the thing is, that's the end user of their product. 
but the majority of people who actually go and pay for that product at the counter are the mums. Yeah. Not the teenage boy who that's wants to right. No, that's right. So because he's a teenage boy, he <laughs> smells really bad. If I buy him something that he'll at least like using, maybe he won't stink so yeah. much. <laughs> and so, yes, there's a branding exercise yeah. happening there and it's making it appealing to the teenage boy. But you also, I think... You're alienating your prime buyer. Yeah, exactly. so they shifted their strategies yeah. based on that. That's right. A good example. Yeah. But yeah. I have, I can assure you that in Australia today, because I've seen it, marketers will brief us, and I'm sure others, on a female-only campaign. Mm-hmm. And in the last minute, they get cold feet and they say, we're just concerned we're going to alienate our male consumer. It's so bizarre. So we're going it? to go with a people demographic. Yeah. So it does happen. Yeah. There's a bit of work to be done in that. Because from my perspective, you know, um, seeing marketers select agencies. Yes. And even marketers that have products that are absolutely 100% female targeted, they never think about or articulate or even as part of the briefing say, we really want an agency that understands women Mm. and then... You know, if they, no even if they bias. do, and then there's, um, uh, you know, all the blokes turn up to the meeting and they don't even ask the question about, you know, well, how can you communicate with women um, if you're all blokes? Well, that's the problem, It's a sausage it? festival. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Charming. I think, you know, you, you've nailed it there. It's kind of... Um, it's it is a real challenge in the industry. It's um you know you you want diversity of thought, but you want to have that female lens, and no amount of just research and desktop research is going to give you that lens without you having been in those shoes yourself. So if you don't have um you know a, a diverse group of people looking at solving the problem, then you're simply going to get you know something from a, a cookie cutter lens i suppose well diversity is absolutely core to creativity mm. i mean it's really interesting that uh, all of the uh, studies into creativity show the more diverse the base of experience the more cre- likely you are to be creative. creative now you know it's interesting because uh, we started this and i said walking in here just the energy but this is a Yeah, this is a big organisation with lots and lots of women. Mm. Where's the diversity come? So we have a gender diversity problem. Right. We don't have enough men. (laughs) Isn't that ironic? (laughs) Well, there's more diversity than just gender, but you've got a gender diversity problem. But we have a gender diversity problem. We have 15% men. Yeah. We want more. Um, but we're not going to hire just because they have a penis. Yeah. We all hire <laughs> yeah. because it's the right person yeah, for the job. That's right. Yeah. But we work hard on on having in-house age groups from 17, 18 to 55. Mm. Our head of marketing lives in Orange. Mm. You live in, can I say where you live? Yeah, on the Central Terrible, Coast. Yeah. on the Central yeah, yeah, Coast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Central Coast so yeah. we get diversity through geography. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a very important when we're at the boardroom table to have different views and different aspects and we're working hard on that and that but the rest of the industry has to catch up and the rest of the industry has to catch up i mean you worked in media for a long time it's very surrey hills white privileged 
or Bondi, yeah, or Bondi. <laughs> They're all down at Bondi. The English or, are down or, at Bondi. Or along the, along the coast there. <laughs> you know. mm. uh, look, I think it's a real problem. The yeah. industry, and it's something that the industry seems to pay lip service to changing, but I'm not seeing a lot of change. Uh, look, I'm, I've had conversations with CEOs of media agencies who are doing their darndest to change it. Um, so it's on some of their radars, yeah. and it needs to be on everyone's radar as it is on ours. Um, because you're absolutely right. You will only come up with the same kind of solution and the same strategy if you're all from the one place. And that's what's happening today. Yeah. And I, I mean, the suggestion would be that if you are happy with a, an agency that, you know, is predominantly male, but they're coming up with creative work that you feel is representing the brand well, but you're conscious that the brand needs a female lens, then bring females to the table. If they don't exist in that agency, insist that they sit at the table and, and get them from elsewhere come to us you know like yeah. or or you know bring them out of your marketing team and, and ensure that they have a deeper role to play in the creation of that work because then you're going to get that perspective but you can't just kind of keep i guess asking other workplaces to change overnight it, you've got to be the change yourself but uh, yeah because a lot of senior creatives who surprisingly or not are all male <laughs> Um, uh, will say, oh, but I understand how to communicate with yeah. women. Yeah. Do they? Well, as I said before, I think you could look at all the research in the world, at, but you don't truly understand somebody else's perspective until you've stood in their shoes or in, until, you know, unless you are that person. So that's why it's so important to have the person at the table who can yeah. share that experience. It's like that uh, film... What Women Want with uh, what, right. um, Mel Gibson. Yes. Yeah, where he could actually read women's yeah. minds. Yeah, and it almost <laughs> yeah. drove him crazy. Yeah. I think it was it was beautifully sexist while trying to be uh, enlightened. Yeah. Michelle Laurie tells a great story where she was at one of the radio stations as a 31-year-old woman and she'd be in, at the boardroom table with all these men and the men would be telling her what it's like to be a 35-year-old woman yeah. and coming up with solutions for 35-year-old women. And she's like... I am one. Yeah, yeah. I can actually tell you what it's like. Can I please talk? So it's just extraordinary yeah. how they assume they knew. Yeah. But there was someone sitting there and they didn't even ask her, what yeah. is it like? What are and your thoughts and, and this is, it, it's interesting because I think the industry is changing a little bit, you know, but not in necessarily in the right places. You know, a lot of marketing decision makers are women mm -hmm. and, you know, they're well, you know, increasingly well represented there, which is great. But then there are other pockets, which, you know, to the point about um, media agencies, the trouble with media agencies is they've flattened the structure, yes. but those few at the top are almost always men mm. and then there's lots and lots of young women and men but in this exactly. bottom bit and they just don't get those opportunities exactly. to fulfill those few at exactly. the top yeah. and you know am i am i advocating um you know actively promoting people that don't necessarily no, no but no. i am saying that you know we've got to be we've got conscious to try harder. we've got to be conscious of it yes and start doing things yes. that are different yes. Yes. and those that are benefiting there's no doubt about that yeah there's a 35% male bias in the media marketing advertising industry. And um, I think it's about, yeah, rectifying that bias and ensuring that there's representation at the table to give you that 
female lens. I, um, I read a great piece about uh, gender bias and it was in selecting uh, musicians for a symphony orchestra. Mm. And they said, no, no we're, we're going to not select on gender. Mm. And, they would, uh, and they went through and they did it deliberately not selecting on gender and they still chose 70% men, 30% women. So what they did was that someone came in and studied it and it's because the person came out and stood on stage and performed with the uh, people, the selectors looking at them. What they did was they got them to play behind the screen mm. and it ended up so much closer to 50-50 because it wasn't about the performance, it was about the, the unconscious That's bias. Exactly. Yeah that occurs that as soon as you see a That's person exactly of a particular right. gender or a particular mm -hmm. look, you know, beyond gender, there's all sorts of bias that just gets reinforced. Yeah. So, you know, how do you overcome that and work the other way? Oh, I read the same thing and um, they'd advise the women to take their shoes off so their heels that's didn't right. make yeah. noise yeah, on yeah. the floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah the heels yeah. click, click. Yeah. The, the, so the that's clackers. one thing, take your heels off. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be really, really conscious of the unconscious bias yes. Yes. to get around it. That's right. And, and, and as a leadership team to constantly remind your team that it exists. So that's, that's created, you know, one more question I've got is about authenticity. Mm. Because I think, you know, people talk about authenticity, but have you found that this is particularly important when communicating with women? Do they have a better radar? Number one radar. Yeah, absolutely. They, we find that with branded content, we, we will often, you know, change the headlines out to test which ones are going to, you know, perform better on the site. If... We are talking about a product that is really good and useful and so has been written about in that genuine way. That will perform a lot better with a headline that is quite overt. Um, in, you know, the content itself is still very natural and, ga and engaging, but the headline might be tried and tested and then the name of the product um, versus a headline that is a little bit more, dare I say it, native <laughs> in, mm. in persuasion. Um, and we haven't changed the, the content of the article itself, but women know that if a particular writer has written the piece and it's coming from Mamma Mia, that that will be authentic in its recommendation. Mm. And, I, yeah, we find There's that a level of trust. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Authenticity took over from aspirational a mm. couple of years mm. back. And whenever we ask our women what are the qualities of influence, they will say, first and foremost, uh, authenticity, followed by credibility, followed by relevance and independence. Mm. So it's big on our radar. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes back to women saying, I will only buy brands that align with my values. Mm. Yeah. Because I want them to stand for something. Mm. And, and if they don't, there's other options. Uh, and also how it reflects on them. And That's how right. it reflects on them. Because, yeah. you know, not, not in an aspirational way, but just in an authentic way. Correct. Yes. You know, I bought this That's because right. this is the values that are true to me. And I'm going to tell five friends about that mm. yeah, product. Mm. So it better represents something that aligns with me. Yeah. Otherwise, there's a disconnect. And frankly, if you're inauthentic, you're going to get called out. You know. The well, you'd hope so, except it doesn't seem to happen as often. I, I think it, it it happens on a subconscious level mm. rather than actually being called out. The only people that seem to call each other out in Australia are the media, and that's when they're pointing fingers at each other. But that's, like for, to do that? that's for another podcast. Look, exactly. um, thank, thank you for inviting me over. It's been terrific catching up. Thanks, and, Darren. Um, We've loved having you. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you.